Hello and welcome back to the HR Grapevine podcast, the podcast series that takes an in-depth look at one of the most fascinating, important or divisive HR stories from over the last week. I'm Sophie Parrott, online editor at HR Grapevine, and each week I'll be joined by a different HR journalist as we explore the contemporary practice and most pressing debates in HR within a short podcast. So join me as we properly pick apart what it means to work in the people function. Today, I'm joined by Dan Cave, Head of Content at Executive Grapevine Digital Media. How are you doing, Dan? Are you absolutely roasting in your house? I am indeed. Um, and I am uh, burning up to be on this week's podcast. I don't, I don't, I don't know the right answer for that. Um, obviously, lockdown has sent me slightly um, crazy. But I'm, I'm very excited to be on this week's podcast because, um, as you're about to introduce to our audience, it's a very important topic. And I think one that has been exacerbated potentially by the long period of lockdown time that we've had. Exactly. And like Dan said, as a large portion of the country is, we are working from home at the moment. Um, So we are dialing in remotely for the purpose of the podcast. So we do apologise if the sound quality isn't as optimum as it could go. But we are still dedicated to bringing you the latest topical debates in a short HR podcast. So as Dan hinted towards, the topic for this week's um, episode is geared towards mental health, given that it is in fact Mental Health Awareness Week. Mental health at work is actually a topic that is getting a lot more consideration now, um, particularly after the World Health Organization recognized burnout on its international classification of diseases list last year, um, which is a ranking which is used in a global context, essentially as a benchmark for health diagnosis. The body reached the decision to categorise burnout as a medical condition during the World Health Assembly Conference in Geneva. And ever since the classification of burnout as a disease, and as employers have become more and more aware of the dangers of burnout, charting mental health has become an area of interest for HR professionals. But it also helps them to get the item on the agenda and bodies such as the World Health Organization, who are now at the centre of evolving coronavirus news stories, recognise that work behaviours can have real effects. So while the importance of mental health support has gained traction in the HR space and many people teams have incorporated mental health support and initiatives into their policies, the 2019 Leading in Digital Age report published by City and Guild Group unearthed a really, really worrying discrepancy between the importance of employee support and the execution on the employer's parts. So even though 94% of workers said that they considered psychological safety to be an important facet, only 10% of businesses um, treat as a priority, which I'm sure would shock a lot of HR professionals. Yet, Elizabeth McManus, who is the Head of Learning, Transformation and Engagement and a Principal Consultant for the Oxford Group, which is a city and guild group business, essentially said that mental health and wellbeing support for employees is a priority, particularly when tackling something as big as the COVID-19 crisis. She also said that mental health support and well-being should be viewed as an investment for the future rather than viewing it as an unwelcome burden throughout this difficult period of time when business leaders may potentially be having change priorities and focusing their attention elsewhere. So she said, we know that a healthy and happy workforce is more engaged and productive. However, with teams disconnected by remote working, there can be confusion and ambiguity over whose responsibility it is to provide support. Therefore, Mental Health Awareness Week acts as the perfect reminder to employers to take the lead in safeguarding their employees' mental health, removing as much ambiguity as possible and providing clarity over the help and support available to them. And Elizabeth believes that by laying the foundations for support, there are real benefits 
benefits for employees on an individual level as they can get support that is tailored towards their needs. But also there is a benefit for employers because they are able to have a healthy and happy workforce that can perhaps uh, help them trade their way through the crisis. But before we get into the main essence of the podcast, I'm just going to hand over to Dan, who is going to share the lay of the land about what is happening right now. Um, Thank you, Sophie. So obviously, as everybody will be experiencing on an individual level, there are lots of things that have been going on that impact mental health as a broad term since the start of the lockdown. And I think actually it's probably important to differentiate under that umbrella term of mental health that obviously there are a lot of different things happening, some of that burnout inducing, some of them anxiety inducing, some of them that will um, maybe nix access to um, different support networks, whether that's through the employer or through the state or through social or familial links. Um, But the, I guess the main groups of people that this is affecting, whilst yes, all of us will be maybe those who never thought they would be a person that might have mental health issues. And those who already uh, before the coronavirus pandemic and the lockdown and whatever type of work it is you're doing now, who had to access support through underlying mental health conditions. So I think it is very crucial to kind of differentiate between those two areas. But what is happening is that because of the vast structural and societal and workplace changes that have been going on, it's widely considered now by the experts that we are on the brink of a mental health crisis as loads and loads of Brits, well, like essentially all of us, suffer the effects of lockdown. Um, Deborah Kestel, director of the World Health Organization's Mental Health Department, laid out in a Guardian article that, um, and I think if this will resonate with everybody, isolation, fear, uncertainty and economic turmoil could cause psychological distress, which could lead to poor mental health. It's very, very obvious, the link between those pieces. Um, And that because of this, there is going to be wholesale impact on society, whether that's national society or, you know, the society that you have at work. So it's something that employees need to be aware of. Additionally, um, an article published in The Lancet, which is essentially the UK's leading medical journal, said that mental health status gathering, so understanding the mental health of the population, should be a top priority after the pandemic, and that mental health services are going to need investment. So whilst that actually has, over the last few years, been investment in mental health services by the state, employers still have a role to play. In fact, separate research from medical journal MedRxiv said that Basically, they did a survey on the working population and found that actually almost half of the UK population was currently feeling depressed or enjoying a lower quality of life because they were worried about their job, their livelihood, the long-term precarity of the work they were in, which is something that all employers need to be aware of right now. Even if you've told people that their jobs are safe for the time being, this is a you know a very dangerous economic situation we're going into. Employers are going to have latent fears about that. This this survey as well looked at different groups of people. So working parents are under intense pressure. Lower paid workers at most risk from the actual coronavirus itself, and that was found by ONS stats. The general sense of economic doom is going to hit everybody. Younger people are getting laid off or furloughed in much greater numbers than older demographics, showcasing that each different section of the workforce is experiencing this in a very different set of ways, obviously caused by the same crisis. And that has its own effects on mental health, which 
you know, is, is, is going to affect the business as well as those individuals. So what we're going to do throughout this podcast is look at some of the different ways in which mental health could be affected and then highlight some of the best HR practice around that from the experts, never from ourselves, of course. We're just here to, to report those best practice issues. <laughs> so Soph is going to lead us through actually something that a lot of people were feeling right now, which is isolation. So Soph, how is isolation affecting people and what should HR practitioners be doing to combat that? Well, I think, as you said, it's definitely something which a lot of people will be feeling the effects of at the moment. In fact, I was doing a little um, research before the podcast and some statistics from the Mental Health Foundation found that almost a quarter of UK adults have felt lonely at some point during the pandemic, um, given that they can't see friends, family, eat lunch with colleagues and just, I guess, just live their normal life. So I think HR should really be thinking about how they can reimagine these um, traditional bonding exercises and kind of reimagine a virtual level of human contact to prevent staff members from feeling isolated. And I think this is particularly pressing for those that are um, living by themselves or in lockdown or isolation by themselves as well. So a few different things to consider, um, perhaps scheduling regular phone or video meetings so that employees can have some level of contact with other people. I spoke to Mira Machega, who is the Chief People Officer at Just Eat, who recently explained to me that within the company they have a virtual water cooler which is on throughout the day and employees can essentially just turn up and just have a chat like they normally would in the office when they're making a drink which I thought was an excellent concept because obviously during the day you know you can turn to your colleague and just have a quick chat whether it's work related or not and that really breaks up the day and gives you some kind of relief from um, the, the stresses of work. If you are looking for non-work related activities, something which I saw on LinkedIn and which I thought was a fantastic idea was Misguided did a virtual bake-off with their staff members. And actually, this is something that myself and Dan did with the rest of our team. And we found it really lifted spirits. And, you know, it just gives people something else to think about. So I thought you would enjoy that little nugget of information, Dan. Yeah. And in fact, um, you're making me, re I actually felt really guilty because even though it's a really nice thing we did as a team <laughs> and did, did indeed take our minds off, you know, the general sense of um, panic and doom and gloom, I realised I cheated by not actually baking something. I made a cheesecake, which um, <laughs> for anybody that is a, uh, you know, a baking fan will know that the cheesecake requires no baking. You essentially crush biscuits <laughs> and whack cheese on top. So, But it was I, fun though. It, it was, was really, really fun. It, it was really, really fun. And it, it, I think it made us all creative as well because we had to essentially tell each other how it tasted over webcam. <laughs> we had um, to convince that we were worthy of the prize. Yeah, ex exactly, exactly. It's, it's like selling. Hi, my name is Daniel Cave, Head of Content at HR Grapevine. I'm interrupting your usual podcast listening to tell you about our inaugural virtual HR event. HR Technology, A Brave New World, which, perhaps obviously, is all about HR technology and digital ways of working and how you can utilise these aspects to drive people-powered business results whilst boosting the profile of the HR function you work in. Hosted on July the 1st and July the 2nd, it will feature live chats with subject area experts in payroll, employee experience, engagement and automation from companies such as ADP, Bridge, Ceridian, Cornerstone, Glint, Oracle, and Sage. What's more, they'll be networking with your peers and presentations and virtual fireside chats with leading HR names, 
including speakers who've presented at TEDx and Davos World Forum, as well as HR leaders from BP Launchpad, GIFGAF, and CERN, as they talk through everything that is digital well-being, the online employee experience during the pandemic, and what engagement really means. It's going to be two days that you can't miss out upon. What's more, it's free to register, which you can do so now or after you finish listening to this week's podcast by heading to virtual.hrgrapevine.com. That's virtual.hrgrapevine.com. And with it being virtual, you won't even have to leave the spare room, home office, kitchen surface, or front room coffee table that you're currently working on to be able to attend. Stay safe, guys, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. <laughs> anyway, um, thanks, so, so it did make us all feel less isolated. I guess another of the big issues, and which we've both touched on already, is burnout. So I think it's not just people who are anxious about work. They could be anxious about their health, the general economy, what the future of that is going to mean for their family, for their mortgage or rent payments. Um, we've got working parents who are now working flat out to potentially keep their business afloat or the business they work for afloat, as well as managing their kids' teaching. Often, I'm just going to start listing some of the things which could be causing burnout here. Um, it's more difficult to differentiate between work and life because for a lot of people, that happens in the same space now. Firms are increasingly in panic mode with you know staff on furlough, staff that are still working worried about what next month means, the month after, if there's going to be a recession or a depression. So there's a lot of things for making people that could make people feel burnout, and the stats do show this. So research from Glint shows that actually burnout has doubled during the period March to April, essentially since lockdown started, and when the effects of coronavirus started to be felt, not just in a um, public health sense, but in a work life business sense as well so that's basically what can be causing burnout the question is what can hr do one of the major pieces of advice out there which i keep seeing floating around from the experts on linkedin is support managers better um so mentioned it above in the isolation bit but set managers up to be able to communicate what staff need to be doing and don't need to be doing so they don't end up going down uh, rabbit holes of frenetic work which isn't adding anything to anybody um give your managers the tools to be able to have those conversations with people. Um, And also from a leadership sense as well, understand what your workforce is going through, be empathetic. Companies that could do this, companies that supported their managers to support their workers and to support their workforce as a whole were three times less likely to have staff communicating how they felt in burnout style language. Essentially, their staff were less burnt out. Um, I've also seen some good examples around of what firms are doing to ensure that people aren't getting burnt out. Google have given extra holiday and uh, which obviously that's more time off away from work. That's brilliant. I thought this was quite a nice one as well. Twitter said work can home from be it forever. And I think w- what this does is allays a lot of the background anxiety about potentially coming back to work if the health crisis hasn't passed and all those anxious feelings can manifest as burnout. Um, and it allows people to have, maybe some people are really enjoying the work-life blend that working from home gives, so they won't feel guilty about maybe having to fight to keep that. And there's little things as well. So firms can also ensure that employees are clocking off at a normal time you know, it's the flip of the old managerial clock watching thing, which is making sure that people do their hours and who's going above and beyond, but like make sure that people aren't going above and beyond too much and that they're 
you know, not clocking up obscene hours because that's that's not sustainable. There is another thing as well, which is, and I apologize for using this phrase because I've heard it such a lot recently, which is what does the new normal mean and what does the impact on employee mental health mean? So essentially, there's going to be a structural shift because of this crisis. Some of that we can be seen already, like loads of people are working from home. Maybe some companies will never go back to the office. That's just one example of this transitionary time or this time of disruption with all the uncertainty that entails. And obviously that can affect people's psychological well-being. So we obviously don't know what the new normal or the future will hold at the moment. There are so many different factors at play, such as when will this crisis be over? What are the economic effects going to be? What will the workplace look like in three months, six months, two years time because of this? So I tried to go through some of the resources that I found on the internet that I thought were quite useful about this. So there is RSA, who are famous. They're headed up by Matthew Taylor. He's famous for his Matthew Taylor report on new ways of working a couple of years ago. They laid out in a, bo- in a blog post, what will the transition to a new normal look like? Essentially, some of the, the issues that might cause anxiety or um, some mental health issues because of that. They basically looked at how the health and safety of the workforce and individual workers will be a key battleground going forward when people start asking, is it safe to come back to work? Um, Will I be safe at work? So that's something for HR to be aware of and to be openly communicating with their staff constantly about going, how are we going to look after your um, health and safety, essentially? Um, There might also be fears over a two-tier society. We covered this a couple couple of weeks ago as HR Grapevine about if there are immunity passports going back to work or some at-risk groups can't come into the office and others can. There are obviously anxieties around BAME workers and older workers because of this. What that might mean in terms of some people feel excluded from the workplace or some people feel less able to participate in economic and socioeconomic activity. Um, Obviously, there's going to be anxieties over structural changes to work. Will people find their roles redundant? Will people find their skill set to be redundant? Furloughed workers, obviously, there's going to be anxieties about whether actually furloughs just off-putting an eventual layoff as well and whether the job will exist to come back to. So I think for HR, this means that you've got to admit that you don't have the answers, but you've got to be communicating constantly with your workforce about this. The best HR leaders that I've spoken to are the ones that appear to be doing the the best out of a bad situation is they're triangulating a strategy based on comms, adaptability, and also, and I do hate this term as well, which is disruption because people use it in a way that they don't really understand how how to use it. And it's just become like a, a buzzword. It, and it's definitely something that some people in HR talk about quite a lot. This is a moment of, of disruption, though. So if you can communicate that to your staff and show that you're adapting to this moment of disruption as a HR department, you might actually be able to build a better future of work out of that. I know Kevin Green is saying some really interesting things on how you might make a workplace or a, or a place of work better for your workers as a result of this. Twitter, obviously, have thought, actually, work from home could work for us really, really well. So they're doing some really interesting things around this and doing a great comm strategy around it. And there's, there's other leaders in here. I know Kelly Metcalf, who's head of diversity at Fujitsu. She's saying it's really important that you communicate purpose in this time to employees so they don't feel adrift and, and without meaning in the workplace. So I guess around that, there's a lot of uncertainty. The key takeaways for HR is make sure you're constantly communicating, be adaptive in your approach and understand that this is a moment of disruption 
And that could mean you're more self-reflective about some of the working practices you have in place. However, that's not all, is it? So if you've got some bits and pieces on how to balance work and life, which a lot of people are struggling with at the moment, haven't you? Yes, absolutely. Um, And what you were saying about the new norm, obviously people would have had um, out-of-work commitments before, but it's a completely different story at the moment you know for example working parents would have had to have adjusted work hours based on the school run and those sorts of things but at the moment some parents have still got children at home that they're trying to homeschool alongside um you know doing their day-to-day work jobs as well so if we use the example of um working parents obviously they've got kids that they might have to be juggling homeschooling and working so that they can pay the bills i think it's really important for line managers to be mindful of that and also to remember that you know this isn't a situation that they've chosen to be put in is it's because of something out of everyone's control. There's also the consideration of staff that may live in shared accommodation, um, either with partners or just with housemates. And I think line managers also need to be very mindful of the fact that various conference calls or meetings could be going on. So this re- could require some level of flexibility to make it work for everybody. Also things like in- internet speeds as well. I know that's sometimes an issue that I've had on my end. In time with the government's announcement about um, school closures, the CIPD CEO Peter G's said that employers should take a flexible approach and make allowances um, to working schedules. He essentially said that employees should speak to the line managers and HR teams to understand how they can best balance family work commitments, um, especially as this stands for a long period of time. In addition, in terms of some takeaway tips for HR leaders, um, I've seen out there on the internet um, the potential of setting up virtual work chats um, for parents so they can either swap tips, uh, maybe share concerns and just vent with other colleagues who may be facing similar challenges and that can also be a good way of letting off steam but essentially the key takeaway if I was to summarize is just to have conversations with employees on an individual basis gauge what kind of level of support they need gauge their situation whether they've got kids whether they live with other people in shared accommodation and really come up with a schedule that is flexible to their needs um, but also gets the best output for the business. Um, But I thought I'd just hand back over to Dan, who has just got a few other extra tips and and tricks to share with you. Yeah, I guess guess the main takeaway is that mental health and looking after mental health is an area that HR can lead on, showcasing both value to the employees and the business. I thought actually one of the things, there's loads of ways of coming at this, but one of the one of the good things that I read recently was in a Harvard Business Review article, which basically focused on the importance of never underestimating an individual worker, employee, member of staff. So essentially the takeaway for HR there is don't take a broad brushstroke to mental health or employees. Uh, do it on a case-by-case basis. Speak to people. Open those channels of communication and ensure basically that you're looking after every single person. Someone who embodies this is TSB's HR director, Liz Ashford who said, don't underestimate the mixing bowl of emotions, um, and I'm quoting verbatim here, that colleagues are experiencing from the impact of isolation or feelings of anxiety to grief and sadness, or unfortunately, all of these. Again, in her words, our colleagues are impacted in different ways and they're all dealing with very different problems and we must be alive to that. As responsible leaders, it is our obligation to be attuned to the needs of our colleagues. Put simply, we, we all must do more to help. Uh, I think that's that's a really nice embodiment of, of what HR can be doing right now regards looking after the, the individual needs of its workforce. 
But unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. HR Grapevine wouldn't exist without your continued readership and engagement with our content, whether that's our daily newsletters, monthly magazines, webinars, live events, or market leading research papers. So to sign up to our daily content newsletter, which showcases solutions and best practice answers to all of your HR issues, please visit www.hrgrapevine.com. 